Okay, here we are. So thank you again for coming on time. So we can start our time. Um, so what we're going to learn today is the second parak of the Shemitah Prophet. And it's a very tricky parak. I find it to be a very tricky parak. Hopefully, I'm going to present uh, what I think he's doing here. And I will be mocked him by saying that I'm not so certain I was yared to the depths of this parak. So let's briefly sketch out the content of, of the parak, and then we'll discuss what we can understand of it. So, but I did, by the way, everyone sees the screen sharing. Okay, so I got smart and I, what I did was, as you can see, I put all the marmacomas on one document, which um, I will reveal to you in time <laughs> as we get up to them. So there's one Word document with all the Marmachimus, which if anyone wants it, just tell me I could send it. Maybe I'll send it to Moshe Mordecai afterwards and send it out if someone wants it. Um, okay, so what we have here then is the is the content of the parak. So I'll consult the this document that's on the screen. This is the Shilat edition. Okay, so what's the parak about? The parak is about the various Kerechas and Nefesh, which the Ramam sketched out in um, Parak Aleph. Let's just review them briefly. I don't know if we ever really discussed them. There's the Kaychas HaNefesh, again, the faculties of the soul, what the soul does. Soul means human being, as a human being. What does he do? He has five aspects, and those are the um, Zan, Margish, um, um, Medame, Mesoirer, and Sikhli. So Zan is nutritive, Margish is sensitive, um, Miss Eirer is appetitive, like he desires things. Um, Madama is imaginative, the imagination, and then Sikhli. So those are the five aspects of the soul, and those the five faculties, five powers of the soul, those themselves can be can be subdivided, or or we can analyze, you know, different things that fit into, they say, the Hazan, the nutritive faculty. Okay, and again, just to remind you, even though this seems it's not typical, it's not how we think, but it actually makes a lot of sense. The Ainu, uh, a human being has to be has to be able to be um, fed, have have nutrition. So therefore, there's a nutritive faculty to the soul, as in to say, I mean to say that part of being a human being is having this ability, having the faculty, the, the powers of nutrition, and because of that. Because part of being a human being is to have nutrition. Therefore, we have digestion and all those things that we're we familiar with from biology. Those are all those are all there to support this um, feature that a human has to have called nutrition. Okay, that's just one example. So those are the five kriyas nefesh. And now this parak is going to tell us which of the kriyas nefesh, which of those five kriyas nefesh can be. Uh, either either um, following instruction or rebel against instruction of the Torah, uh, which of those Chalkei HaNefesh have mitzvah and Aveira, and also the second part of the chapter is <clears throat> which parts of the Nefesh have virtues and vices, milas and prisos. Okay, that's the, that's the title of the parak, and let's go into it. It says, that starts off with saying the following, Mary and Mishmas Torahim, that means disobedience or obedience to the law, the Torah law. Um, 
happens in two aspects, two faculties of the soul. And those are in the sensitive faculty and in the appetitive faculty. In other words, okay, and then he continues and says, in these two faculties, in these two parts of the soul, all are various and mitzvahs. So notice right away, he talks about two different things. He talks about Mary and Mishmas Torian. And the word Torian is Arabic Sharia, which means any religious law. So, so disobeying or obeying religious law happens in two parts of the nefesh. And then he says, and in these two halakim will be all Averis and mitzvahs. Averis and mitzvahs are written in Lashon Kodesh, even though the Shilat edition does not have that valuable information as other editions do have. Uh, some editions have it, the words of the Rabbi Moran Hebrew will be bolded. So anyways, the words Averis and mitzvahs were written in Hebrew. Okay, So he says two things, that in these two halakim and nefesh you have Mishmas and Mary, and those are Arabic words, whatever, obedience and disobedience. And then in these two halakim, we have all Averis and mitzvahs. But in the Zun and the Medame, nutritive faculty and in the imaginative faculty, there's no possibility of either obeying or disobeying because your um, thought and free will has no, has no activity in the Chilik Azun Chilik Medame. You can't stop them from acting. You can't make them act. You can't circumscribe the activity. And the proof is because these two aspects of your soul, your nutritive and your imaginative faculty, operate when you're asleep. So what do you say so far? Roughly, just, just it's so far in the way of thinking. Let's just, so let's just briefly say what is going on here until we get to closer analysis. He's talking about which parts of you, of the human being, might either participate in, in obeying or disobeying. So we just looked in the paragraph, okay, part of you, part of being a human is that you have nutrition. But your nutrition, your nutrition, your nutritive faculty, your nutritive faculty, excuse me, your nutritive faculty doesn't respond one way or the other to commandments. Because look, it operates when you're sleeping. And so to your imaginative faculty, what's your imaginative faculty? It's this ability that we, weird ability we have to create images in our mind. And that doesn't respond or disobey commandments because it operates when you're asleep as well. Now, right away over here, you, you can jump and there's lots of questions here. People ask these questions. What do you mean you can't, there can't be a mitzvah or an avera not to imagine something? Let's say, let's assume not allowed to have certain images in your mind. If you do, you should banish them from your mind. So and what does that mean? You can't control. Okay, yes, when you're asleep, you can't control it. But when you're awake, you could. So what's he talking about? Okay, just to mention one problem here. <clears throat> but I want to give a, a I want to just get through the whole paragraph briefly and then we'll analyze it closely. What about the intelligent uh, faculty of the intellect? So there's some confusion about that. But I say, the Rambam says, that that part of the, that faculty of the soul also can either obey or disobey by believing a false opinion, a false idea one that you're not supposed to believe, or believing something that's true. Okay, so it's possible for your mind to either be in obedience or disobedience to Torah. However, there's no Misa, so therefore you don't call it a mitzvah or a vera. And that's why I said before that only in the two halakim of the soul, Margish and Mesoyer have mitzvahs and averas. So I'm making a very interesting point over here that he starts with the paragraph by saying 
All Averis HaMitzvahs are in the Margish and the Mitzvah. That means you have a Mitzvah, don't eat down, let's say. So that means that's, that eating is something that you um, do with your senses and you might desire to eat. And the Torah is, is telling your, your um, sensitive and your appetitive faculties how to, how to act. Now, even though the Rambam says Mishmas and Mary applied to the Chelek HaSechli, but he says, I still maintain, like he started the chapter, by saying only in the Magish and the Mishra there are various mitzvahs. So we have to make a distinction between mitzvah and Avera. And remember, that's a word from Lashon HaKadosh. The Rambam wrote in Lashon HaKadosh, those words. And Mishmas and Mary. So the intellect can either obey or disobey, but since it has no action, we don't call it a mitzvah or an aver. Now, you might notice I keep on saying that the Rambam says we don't call it a mitzvah aver, but here he says we don't call it maisa mitzvah or aver. You see that word maisa? Now that word, as Shailat points out in footnote number four, was added. So the Rambam originally, the Rambam originally wrote we don't call it a mitzvah or aver. And then he added the word, we don't call it Maisa Mitzvah or Avera. Okay. But, see that word Maisa there? But regardless, um, the Rama began the chapter by saying, all Averas and Mitzvahs are only in these two Chalakim. So apparently, and here he's, saying, he's suggesting that Mitzvah and Avera is associated with a Maisa. So even though the intellectual faculty can be obey or disobey by believing or not believing the right thing. That's not the real mitzvah or avera. And maybe for added clarification, he said it's not a maisa mitzvah avera, which is apparently mitzvah and avera is associated with mice. Okay, so far as Brahman said, if you're anything like me, this is extremely foreign, this whole business, you don't know what the Rahman wants, what he's getting at, who cares, why is this interesting? What does it even mean? That, that was my impression First 30 times, okay, I don't know, 30, whatever. I don't know if I read it 30 times. The first 20 times reading this parak. But I want to help you, I think, understand. And then he goes on to, let's talk about the virtues. So there are two kinds of virtues. Notice he doesn't define what virtues are. That will leave to us. We'll have to get to that. Like, what, what does he mean by a virtue? But there are two kinds of virtues. Virtues of the intellect, um, I'm sorry, of the character, and virtues of the intellect. And those have two kinds of thesis. We can translate that as a deficiency or vice. Typically, we call that a vice. What are the intellectual virtues? Is to know things. Pachma, no, to know things means to know the causes. There are proximate causes and further causes. Okay, so once you know that something exists, you want to know what are its causes. That's Chachma. Then there's different kinds of Seichel. Some of it is into, is axiomatic. We know, we know things naturally, such as the whole is... Um, um, some of its parts and all that kind of axioms. Um, and then there's things that we acquire. Seichel Nikne, which he doesn't want to talk about here. Seichel Nikne, acquired intellect is something Rama was always reticent to talk about. I think we mentioned this a little bit in other contexts. And then another another quality of the intellect is having a quick ability to understand. Okay, fine. What are the virtues of the um, character? So those are all in the appetitive faculty. In other words, what do you desire? So there's a person who desires um, honor, glory, pleasure. 
And this person who has the right attitude towards that, the person who desires to revenge, he has, he has a his he's Ira to take revenge. So that's a person who has a deficiency. Um, the sensory, sensitive faculty supports the Chelek HaMasar in this regard. Okay, and he gives a bunch of examples of <clears throat> the virtues of this, of, of character. Then he says, but there's no virtue or vice in the other parts of the soul. Zun and Medame. We don't say someone whose nutri nutritive system is working properly. We don't say that he is a, a virtuous person. We don't say he has a mile. We just say it's operating properly. That's not a mile or a crisis. Okay? So I want to start with the last thing. Um, so basically, the Ram talks about two things that are similar, and they and they actually parallel each other, which is which parts of the human being can be in obedience or disobedience. And the answer is, an upshot is three out of five, seichel zun and sorry seichel margish and misayra, and likewise, which parts of human beings can have milus or pchisis? And the answer is also, you have milus in your seichel, you get a milus in your misayra, and the margish as a supportive of the misayra, um, which I don't know exactly what that means. I didn't think much about that. Last point, but you could have it in three out of five, and the other two. So in sort of, we sort of you look at the whole paragraph, like the Ramam is basically dividing human being into lower, we can call it lower aspects of the soul. The fact that you um the fact that you grow is part of your zun, you're 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 a vegetable in certain sense. Remember the Ramam insists in Paragalif, you're not three different things. You're not a vegetable plus an animal plus a human. But within being a human, we can distinguish between the parts of the human that can be virtuous and obedient and do a mitzvah. And the parts of you that are not participating in in, in virtue and obedience or mitzvahs. So there's like the lower parts of you are the zun and the medama, which some people would call the you know those who talk about three different souls would say there's a vegetable soul that doesn't participate in mitzvahs. Whatever. Fine. So I want to understand. Let's talk about. So so the first question is of course you know like why is this interesting? Why do we care? But I want to talk about um, something that's easier to me to start with which is, let's say, the Ramam talks about which parts of the soul have virtues. Milus. So, and he says, he insists that, okay, if a person has a good digestive system, we don't say he has a mile. Okay, that sounds right, that resonates. But why is that the case? What exactly is the difference between a mile and... Um, and what we would call, let's say, bodily health. What's the difference between bodily health and psychic health? Why, why do we have a different word? So this, for this parak, I must say that for years and years, as I said, I've been, never understood this parak until someone directed me to the following, Maramokim here, and I'll do, I'll, I'll take it to a new page, which is a chapter from the ethics of Aristotle. Um, this is book one, chapter 13. If you ever see in Svarim, you'll see this, by the way, if you if you look at the some Svarim, you'll see um, Sefer Midas, or it, it says such and such in Midas, Mem, apostrophe, Aleph, Pei, apostrophe, Yudgimel. It does not mean Mesef, this Midas, Parak, Aleph, Mishni, Yudgimel, because it says Midas, Mem, Aleph Peyugimot. Maimar Aleph Perikugim. So we're reading something from Midas. This is what the Sefer Akedas Yitzchak and others would call it. 
Midas Maimar Aleph Pregu Gimel. Obviously, I'm saying that, so you should know that this is uh, legitimate to look at uh, the ethics of Aristotle to understand the Rambam. At least according to some people. But anyways, we're not, that's not our interest right now. So Mazah Maila, Vos is a Maila. Zokt Aristotle Azoi. He actually talks about this, what a Maila is. And the, the, uh, the underlying parts are, um, are the ones that are particularly interesting to, to this part of the Rambam, which, which clearly is built on this. Um, he says the following. Uh, so he's talking about what we call a virtue. Got to find the part. I think it's the underlying part. Yes. So you'll notice that he's talking about something very similar to the Rambam. So he's talking about the nutritive, the part that's underlined over there where it says 13. Um, he says like this, he says, the nutritive faculty of the soul, again, the nutritive faculty is that you grow and that you digest and so on and so on. The ac- We're going to go back to 12. The excellence of this faculty appears to be common to all animate things and not peculiar to man. Nutrition, let's say. For I believe this faculty is most active during sleep. But when they are asleep, you cannot tell a good man for a bad man. Therefore, there's a saying that for half their lives, there's no difference between the happy and the miserable. So you say, oh, that guy who's sleeping there, he's a good man. And the other guy who's sleeping there is a bad man. But you can't tell the difference. Because all they're doing when they're sleeping is digesting and dreaming. This is a natural result of the fact that sleep is a cessation of the soul from the functions on which its goodness or badness depends. The whole sleep is that the soul stops doing those things that make it good or bad. Except in some degree, okay, now it gets interesting because good people have different kinds of dreams than other people. So that's an interesting thing, which maybe we'll get to at the end of this paragraph. There's something interesting about that. That we're ignoring the imagination that happens during sleep, okay? So I'm jumping into 14. He says, we're gonna, not going to talk about the nutritive faculty part of the soul. We need not ever pursue the subject further, but may omit from consideration the nutritive part of the soul, since it exhibits no specifically human excellence. So now we have an idea. What's a virtue? A virtue is that which is specifically human excellence. That's what we're looking for. So when we say something is a Milo, we mean to say he has some excellence which is specifically human. So even though, it's a little bit subtle here, because even though the Robinson and Aleph, that the human being is one entity that includes his nutrition, but if his nutrition functions properly, we don't say he has a specifically human excellence. His nutrition is a function for a human. Nutrition is a function of being a human. But the excellence of having a good nutrition doesn't make you a more excellent human as a human. Okay, this is the, the subtle distinction. So we care if someone's a better human. He has a, he, I don't know if he's a better human. Maybe say if he has a human kind of excellence, that's what we call a myla. And the human kind of excellence is those things that the Ramam describes, again, coming from Aristotle, having a good appetite, meaning not desiring, let's say, things that are not desiring things in excess because everything has to be balanced. Having a good sensory perception that's somehow in the service of the appetite. We'll get to that a little bit soon, perhaps, I think. 
And um, and now let's go back. That brings us back to the first half of the chapter, where the Ramam talks about which parts of the soul are involved in um, obedience and disobedience. Because, um, and which parts of the soul respond to the Torah. So why is that? Why is that followed? It's also followed with the whole subject of the chapter, because the Rambam is going to say in Paragdalit, and this is not something that's. I didn't put this on the Ramakomis. No need for this. This, I think we mentioned this in the past. He says that. Um, the purpose of the Torah's mitzvahs and Yisurim, this is in Paragdala, the purpose of the mitzvahs is to train us, to train the soul. By doing the mitzvahs, the soul is going to become trained. So therefore, the Rambam's um, teaching us, he's teaching us, okay, there's two things to think about. There's the human soul, there's what the perfection of the human is, and then there's how does the Torah lead us and train us to that perfection. So therefore, it comes Paragbez and says, well, what are we aiming for in terms of a human perfection? So he, the second half of the chapter is dealing with, well, what can we, what kinds of excellences are interesting to us from, from perspective of human beings? And then the first half of the chapter is, well, which parts of the soul are, are affected? Which parts of the soul respond to commandments? Okay, so that's what the Ramam is, is is trying to do over here. He's trying to say, okay, look, the Torah is trying to make us into good people. Um, one way to think about that is to say, yeah, the Torah tells us what to do, but the Rambam holds that there's a lot more than that. The Torah actually changes us. So he wants, so the, so so it's interesting to the Rambam to think about what's the nature of the interaction between the human and the Torah. Which part of the human is responding to the Torah? And since we know, since he says that the Zun and the Madama nutritive faculty and imaginative faculty are not um, don't have virtue and vice and they don't respond to the Torah. So what that tells us is that if there's something wrong with your zan, if you have a stomach ache, don't learn Shemitah and go to a doctor. This is not for your zan. This is for that's that's a, that's a sort of a, a vegetative part of a human or something like that, an animal part of a human, like Aristotle puts it. And Mamela, that's not what um, the focus of Tikkun HaNefesh in, in Shemona Prakim is about. So he's narrowing down the focus of Paragalf. Paragalf talked about the human being as one unit. And yes, you need to have a good nutritive faculty and you need to have a good imagination that they're important, they help you. But when we talk about virtues and when we talk about training the human being for human excellence, th those two things are about um, three out of five. Okay? So now let's go back to the other question. We have this question of uh, if anyone has a question, we'll take a question now if anyone wants. We could always use raising hands or otherwise. Translating as what? Appet appetite? Appetitive, yes. Meaning what? Meaning, meaning emotional? Everything, almost everything Ramos has, like everything happens there, basically. All, all interesting things like uh, fear, courage, love, hatred, desire, disgust. Emotion is in there. All emotions are in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so what do you mean by app appetite? What do, you, what do you mean by appetite? Like, um, what you are drawn to. That's a misire. Like, what what is a what is a person misire to? So it's not what you think. See, you could have one reason. You could understand something, 
but on the other hand, you're attracted to certain things, even if it goes against reason. That, okay, so those are two two things. You could and you know what you know, and then there's okay, but what what are you drawn to, or what do you avoid, and those don't always match up. Well, the, what the Balamans refer to as tchunais are, are located in the the chelak hamaserer. Yeah. Yeah, remember the Rambam said that that's basically where all uh, Minus of Midas are and the Chilak Hamargish. Here, Minus of Midas are behind Yimotzu the Chilak Hamzer Levadoi, the Chilak Hamargish was in a Shamish the Chilak Hamzer, so it serves it. Uh, like I said, I'm not sure exactly what the nature of that service is, and that's something to think about deeper and some other time. Okay, so now I want to go back to the question. Let's say we asked the question. The Rambam, yeah, okay, so far so good. Okay, we asked a question. That um, okay, the Ramam says the following. He says, "Look, when you're asleep, your nutritive faculty and your imaginative faculty operate, but you don't feel things. You don't desire or turn away from things when you're sleeping. You don't think when you're sleeping. You do, however." Your body, your bodily functions operate, your, your nutrition and growth, and so on and so forth. And also your imagination uh, operates. And therefore, therefore, says Ram, that tells me that these parts of the body don't participate in um, obedience or disobedience. Because <clears throat> Das and Bechira have no action in these faculties. So the question is, okay, as we said, okay, fine. Yes, sometimes I'm not in control, but sometimes I am in control, like when I'm awake. Why can't why can't you tell me, don't imagine something? And the Torah does tell us things like that. Okay, that's one question. The other question is, here it gets a little more tricky. Um, the Ram says, the chilika sikhli, hmm, it's, it's, it's a problem. It's a question. I say, says the Ramam, there could be obedience or disobedience, and that is believing correct things or or, or not, or believing incorrect things. Now, Chelik Asichli can't have a commandment. How about the commandment to study Torah? Why isn't that a mitzvah in the Chelik Asichli? What's the, what's the Mavucha? What's the Mavucha? Why is it complicated whether there's a mitzvah in the Chelik Asichli or at least Mishmas and Mary? And why does Ramam's solution call upon Believing incorrect things or believing the right things. What about applying your mind to certain things? That we could have a mitzvah to apply your mind to certain things. Okay. So what is going on over here? What is the nature of this question? Whether there's mishmas and Mary, the If you asked us, we could find mishmas and Mary in, in at least in the chilek madame, maybe even in the chilek azan. Perhaps you're not supposed to uh, digest certain foods. Whatever. Okay, we can leave that out. I think it's tricky. Well, at least in the Chilak Madama. So here again, I did not understand this until I read this chapter. Here it is. It's underlined this part. Amazing line here. It says Aristotle, there also appears to be another element in the soul, which though irrational, yet in a manner participates in rational principle. So Aristotle is very interested to understand in understanding is the human being rational or not? Okay? Reason is very important to the Rambam, right? We learned to Parakalf. Reason is what makes a human being a human being. Okay. So now we have a very interesting question. If, if reason is what makes a human being a human being, to what extent 
is the totality of the human being defined and controlled by reason. Reason is reason, right? Reason is in the mind, wherever the mind is. But what about my tunas? What about my desires? Are they reasonable? Says Aristotle, no, they're irrational. Yet in a manner, they participate in a rational principle. That means it's a very interesting, very interesting thing to notice about humans is that their desires can become reasonable. In self-restrained and under that, we approve their principle or the rational part of their souls. Remember, the principle of the human being, what makes him what he is, is that he's rational. And we approve of that because it urges them in the right way and exhorts them to the best course. So the fact that you're reasonable can interact with your desires and make your desires reasonable. Your desires are not reason, but they participate rational principle. Very cool. Nature also seems to contain another element besides other rational principle, which combats and resists that principle. So we have this um, battle. Okay. So we have a battle that there's parts of the soul that can be made consistent with the rational principle, parts of it that combat it, now I'm up to over here, 17. This second element also seems to participate in rational principle, something restrained man. It obeys the behest of the principle. And no better than temperate and brave man, brave man is still more amenable for both parts of nature are in harmony with this principle. So a person could get to the point where other parts of his nature are in harmony with this principle. We see that the rational part is double. One division of it, the vegetative, does not share rational principle at all. Your zon, this is this is my mishmar of broken paraphrase. Your chelika zon, which, as Aristotle pointed out earlier, operates at night when you're sleeping as well, is not informed by the rational principle. It never becomes reasonable. You can talk to it as much as you want. You're not going to make it reasonable. The other, the seat of the appetite and the desire in general, does in a sense participate in principle, meaning in the essence of a human being, as being amenable and, and obedient to it. Okay, fine. And that principle, in other words, what makes you again, your, your intellect can in a manner appeal to the rational part is indicated by our practice of admonishing delinquents. Because so we use reason to get people in line. So we have this very cool thing. It's very cool to, to the Rambam and to these thinkers that reason can interact with unreasonable things and make them reasonable. That's how they think about it. Because remember, they think about reason, as we've been sort of getting back to this idea numerous times, reason is this thing that exists independently of matter. In fact, in fact malachim are reason, which they are. And according to the Rambam, the immortal soul, the eternal soul is reason what it is, you can become reason. We spoke about this in the Shemana Prakam Shir that Moshe Rabbeinu became an angel because he became ident he was identified by his reason. But then at the same time, at the same time as they look at reason as being this separate thing, separate nivdal, not, not physical, lo and behold, reason and physical unreasonable things 
can have some interaction. So this is something that they think that they notice. And they also notice that that's only partially true, that the human being, who's this combination of reason and, and lots of other things, can partially become reasonable, partially have that reason, which is his principle, define his unreasonable parts, but partially not. So let's say going back to the question. So you see, by the way, so then, so then the beginning and the end of the chapter are really about the same thing. Um, remember we said, what's called a mila? What's a mila? What's a virtue? It's something which is a human excellence. And the beginning of the chapter is about which part of the human participates in being rational, which is the essence, the principle of the human. So those two things are very similar. Those two things are very similar because to be virtuous is to do the right thing. Okay? And the way we achieve doing the right thing, the way we get there is by the training, the mishmas and meri of, of the Torah's training. Okay? So that's what the Ram is doing in this bag. He's trying to understand, he's trying to understand um, what's the nature of a human and how much he can be defined and permeated and infused by his by his intellect and become, become a, a perfect human. So going back to the question, okay, the Kasha was, so the Ram says, oh, look, your imagination works when you're asleep also. Frek, uh, I think of Yaakov Emden and others. Okay, so therefore what? Your imagination can't have a mitzvah? Why can't you have a mitzvah in your imagination? Right? Why can't your mitzvah, you could control your imagination when you're awake? Control your imagination when you're awake. So who cares if the imagination operates in your sleep? The answer now we understand is as follows. The answer is like this. Since your imagination operates even when you're asleep, that tells you, says the Rambam, that your imagination doesn't participate in the rational faculty. It doesn't become rational. So let's say you have, I'll give you an example. Let's say you have an animal, right? So there's a mitzvah called Shrisa Behemta. There's a mitzvah to make sure your animal doesn't work on Shabbos. So does your animal participate in, in the mitzvah. Right? Let's say someone would say, okay, mitzvahs are for humans, not for animals. Mitzvahs speak to humans, not the animals. Say, oh, what do you mean? It's not true. Because my animal can't work on Shabbos. The answer is no. You are the one I'm speaking to, telling you not to let your animal work on Shabbos. Your animal, even though he doesn't work on Shabbos, your animal in no way becomes sickly. Even though your animal is doing something that the seichel necessitates, and even if your animal is never once in his whole life mechal shabbos, your animal will not change. He will not become reasonable. Zok the Rambam, if your imagination operates even when you're asleep, that means then that your imagination cannot ever become sickly, because only those parts of you which your mind controls Absolutely. Those parts of you that are dependent on your intellect, such as, will I feel something? Will I want something? There's an association. There's a, there's, a, there's a close association between those things and my intellect. Those things, I can eventually turn into reasonable, reasonable, um, reasonable faculties. So just to put it into very simple words, let's say um, a person trains himself 
to only desire what's right. And the Rambam's right into that, right? The Torah trains us, trains us to desire only the correct things. Okay. What happens to that person, Zakh the Rambam, is that his appetite of faculty, like, like Aristotle puts it, it participates in the rational principle. It becomes rational. It becomes reasonable. Mashing in the imagination, yes, you could control your imagination. You could tie it down on a leash when you're awake. But your imagination is not, there's a much bigger gap between your imagination and your reason. And that's evidenced by the fact that imagination operates even without thought, operates on its own. So if you could control your imagination to the extent that you can, that's equivalent to putting an animal on a leash, where you're not making the animal into a Shemir Shabbos. You're just, um, you're doing something to the animal. Similarly, yes, there could be mitzvahs for you to do something to your uh, medame, but the medame doesn't listen to, to the voice of reason. Okay, that's the general idea over here. I hope uh, I hope you can understand it. I think you have to think about it. I think it, it requires like thinking about it to let it sink in. Okay, now let's go to, yeah, any questions here? Okay, move on. Next question was about Talmud Torah. The Ram says, okay, um, when it comes to the Chilka Sikhli, there's some confusion. And, and his solution is, okay, yeah, you know what? There, there is um, obedience or disobedience when it comes to the Chilka Sikhli, and that is in believing or uh, believing something you're supposed to believe in or, or believing something that you're not supposed to believe. Now, the question was, a mitzvah for Chilak HaSichli? Of course, it's Tamil Torah. Let's say Tamil Torah. But now we understand, now that we understand that what's happening in this chapter, um, I think we can we can figure out what the problem is. The question over here is not about mitzvahs, which aspects of the soul have mitzvahs. It's not really the question. The question is, which aspects of the human being can be uh, worked upon, can be trained and turned into Seichli? Right, which parts, like like Aristotle puts it, which parts of the soul can participate in principle, meaning the principle which is intellect, which parts of your soul can become intelligent. Now, now if looked at that way, the Rambam then is discussing whether the sikhli, whether that aspect of the human being, the intellect, can become rational. Now, what does that even mean? That part of the human being is rational. Okay, but if you see that, you understand the problem over here is that the Ramam is not trying to figure out whether there's a mitzvah done with the intellect. Of course there is. He's trying to understand whether the training, the training that the Torah does to people by making them, getting them in line with reason, because remember that's what Torah is supposed to do. Torah is supposed to train us to make us in line with reason. Whether that operation of making something in line with reason, whether that is chal, whether that affects the intelligence of the human being as well. So then the Ramam is, okay, so how would it affect intelligence? Either the intelligence is, is intelligent or it's not. How could the intelligent become reasonable? Says the Rambam. Says the Rambam, yeah, you know what? The intelligent also participates in a rational principle. How does the intelligence, how does your chilek asichli participate in a rational principle? The Rambam says, I believe through emuna through believing the right things. So what I think the Rama means is he's saying the following. He's saying, sometimes there's a mitzvah, the Torah will train us to believe a certain thing. The Torah will tell us to believe a certain thing. Now, what is 
This is a big question. This is a Kreska's question on on really on the Sefer Mitzvah. The Ramam counts Mitzvah Aleph to believe in Hashem. So one of the major questions is, can you tell someone what to believe? How could there be a commandment? What to believe? If he knows it, he knows it. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Okay, Chastik Kreskas talks about this. I think this is what the Rambam is addressing. The Rambam is saying that Mishmas and Mary, when the Torah tells us, when the Torah tells us to be obedient, that operates on the intellect as well. Why? Because sometimes, sometimes the Torah tells us believe something. Now, what does that mean? Believe something. That means you don't know it. If you knew it, I wouldn't have to command you to believe it. And yet, you're going to listen. Even though you don't know it, you're going to take that stance. You're going to believe it, which means you're going to take it on as a stance. It's going to become your position. So the, that's it's going to become your position in your chilek asichli. And that by doing that mitzvah, your chilek asichli is going to become rational. So your chilek asichli is participating in something rational. Because the rational thing is, you don't know it, but it's true. And by believing it, even though you don't know it, you're allowing the reason, the idea, the truth, to make your become rational. So that's what the Ramam's Chiddush is, that um, the intellectual part of the person also undergoes training to become intellectual, because sometimes it is trained to become wise by doing things such as taking on a stance, taking on a belief. And that taking on of the belief is, um, is, a, is a training, is a Torah kind of training that makes the intellect rational, just like there's other kinds of training and action that make the um, the Chilek HaMasur become rational. Okay? Do a few more minutes. Let's move on to the next thing. Fine. Um, nonetheless, the Ramam says there's no mitzvah in Avera. So I want to just briefly talk about that. So why is there no mitzvah in Avera in the Chilek HaSechli? And, or maybe there's no Maisa mitzvah Avera. But it seems the Ramam is saying is that the real lotion of mitzvah in Avera applies mainly to actions. Which, I made this diak and I found the morale. Maybe someone else found it. Morale um, first saw Perak Lamed Ches. I think maybe Yudha Kielsen found it says that we call mitzvahs, what do we call mitzvahs? Asay and loisase. So he says, we are told about the asiyah, it's all about the doing. Says the morale, mitzvahs are about doing, not about thinking, not about speaking. Now, of course, there are mitzvahs about thinking and speaking, such as the first mitzvah. But yet, Ram says, the same mitzvah stand, the real word mitzvah applies to actions, to doing. So I want to, I want to, Suggest what I, th what I think that means. What's I'm talking about in this chapter? He's talking about the Torah training. The Torah trains us by telling us to do certain things, and those doing those things is going to affect us. The Torah also tells us to believe certain things, and that belief is also going to change us. It's very interesting that Torah tells us to believe certain things. Extremely interesting because, again, if you know it, you know it. If you don't know it, you don't know it. Nope, but the Torah is saying there's something in between. Trust me, right? basically means if you're not sure, trust me. And this is the stance you should take. Okay, but that's not the real mitzvah. Why? Because the real mitzvah is an action. 
And here's what I think that means. We spoke about this in the first couple of Shurim, that the purpose of the Torah, purpose of a law, is that there should be commandments that change people. People need training, right? Basically, Ramam says, people's souls are not perfect and they need to be trained through doing actions. So imagine, okay, so you're you're a person who wants to perfect himself. You don't know how to do so. You accept someone else's commands, call it Moshe, call it Hashem, call it Sharia, any any religious law, because remember, Ram starts this parak really just talking about the whole concept of religious law. You accept it as being that which is going to train you and perfect you. Okay, so what does that person tell you, right? Let's say you you say, you know what, Moshe Rabbeinu, he's my Rebbe, I trust him to tell me what's right, i.e. to tell me what Hashem wants, okay? Let's call it the same thing. Okay, I don't know what's right, but yet I'm going to do what Moshe tells me. Now here's something very interesting. You're going to do what Moshe tells you, right? What if Moshe tells you to do something that doesn't make sense to you? What if Moshe tells you to do something that you don't that you don't you don't see a reason for you to do, right? That's called a chayk. That's called a chayk. And the Rambam says in Parakvavah Shmerekrakim that when it comes to chukim, when it comes to mitzvahs that we call chukim, a person is going to be kovish es yitzray and do it without knowing why he's going to do it. So why is he doing it then? Why is he doing it? Because he's submitting. He's accepting the authority of someone else. He doesn't know why he should do it. But Moshe told him to do it. And Moshe knows what he's talking about. So he's going to accept Moshe as a mitzvah. So the Rambam is saying the real mitzvahs and averas apply to maizim. Because when it comes to maizim, when it comes to actions, we have something interesting. Which is that people are do things that are on the face of it, unreasonable, because someone told them to do it. That is not the case when it comes to thought. Because, and this is a very interesting thing, there's no mitzvah that's a chayk regarding thought or regarding statements, right? There's a chayk, don't eat milk and meat together. There's a chayk, don't wear wool and linen together. There's no chayk, say these words such and such times. Shema is not a chayk. is not a chayk. There's no chayk to believe certain things, to take on certain stances that are absurd. So what that tells us is that mitzvah as a mitzvah, what does a mitzvah mean? A mitzvah is a commandment, meaning I don't understand it, right? Mitzvah is not I understand something and there I do it. Mitzvah and therefore I do it. Mitzvah is someone told me to do this and therefore I do it. Why? Why are you doing it? Why is the fact that someone told you to do it a reason to do it? Because you trust them. Ah, so we have this, Two ways of people doing things. Sometimes they do things that they believe in. And sometimes they do things that they don't themselves believe in, but they trust someone else as an authority. That's called, that's what mitzvahs and averis are really about. But there's a mitzvah, someone commanding you that you won't, and you won't transgress his command. And that applies particularly to actions. Because when it comes to actions, you can come to Moshe Rabbein, and Moshe Rabbein will be like, okay, you don't understand this, just do it anyways. And that's the spitz mitzvah navera. Just do it, even though you don't understand it. But Moshe never said, you don't understand this, but meaning it's unreasonable, but believe it anyways, or say it anyways. Maybe you're not up to this. You're not up to take on this stance, even though you're not up to it, because eventually you'll understand it. But it's really a davar sikhli. It's a mitzvah sikhli. It's not a chayk. And the real mitzvah navera, the main main concept of mitzvah navera, for the Ram's purposes here in Shemana Prakim, is that there's a legislator, 
who trains the people who are doing actions, even though those actions are contrary to their to what they believe. And that's something that's uniquely in, in actions. Okay, now I want to just comment one more thing on, let's say one more comment over here. The Rambam says, oh yeah, I want to show you the Rambam's a very interesting thing. The Rambam in Chile Gimel Perakim Aleph in the Mernabuchim says that Alav Shein Bamaise doesn't get punished. Why not? He gives three reasons why there's no punishment for Alav Shein Bamaise. Because they're not so harmful. Okay. Um, I'm thinking of the Chavetz Chaim's endless warnings about how dangerous Olashonar is. But anyways, it's the Rambam says, it's not clean. Um, also, it's impossible to, to avoid them because it's just a word, so people will get Malchus all the time. Not a Mahalach. Okay, but the third reason is one that's interesting to me here today is that he says, it's not possible Hasra. The concept of Hasra cannot apply to Lav Shem Maisi. There's a Gemara about this by Ibn Zoyim, and there's a Raman about this which seems to be saying something else. But here, what he seems to be saying is that the concept of Asra is only possible by an action. Why? I want to suggest he means, Asra means, I am warning you. Asra is not teaching. Asra is not teaching someone that this is wrong. Asra means, I don't care what you think about this or not, but I'm telling you, you better not do it. I'm representing, when I give me Asra, I'm representing the mitzvah. I'm representing it as a tzivoy, and I'm echoing, I'm voicing the tzivoy. The concept of tzivu, as Yitram tells us in Yishman Prakim, is be'eker by a ma'isim mitzvah. Because ma'isim lend themselves to legislation. As in, you may not know why this is right, but you submit to the ruler, the legislator, to the Torah, and the Torah will tell you what to do. And that's what Asra is echoing, that same azhara of the Torah, that same loisase, don't do, the, the one who's giving Asra is saying loisase, don't do kach, kach. So even though there are mitzvahs, of course, again, just to, just to repeat, we said before, there are mitzvahs that are not about asiyah, but the main concept of a mitzvah is asay and lois asay. By extension, there's also mitzvahs that are not about asiyah, but the ikr mitzvah is one that you can warn, they give an azhara, and you can give an Okay, I want to just go back, circle back to the point we spoke about earlier and say one, one more nekuda. That we spoke about earlier, the Ram says, that um, the Koyach Hazon and the Koyach Madam do not participate in the rational principle. Right? So your 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 desires can become reasonable. And as Ramam says in Parak Vav and he wants your desires to become reasonable. He doesn't, he doesn't, he, Ramam believes that when it comes to reasonable matters of reason, mitzvahs that are reasonable, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to, your desires are supposed to change, and you're supposed to only desire what, what is right. Okay? So your desires are supposed to become reasonable. Your nutritive faculty and imaginal faculty, the Ramam tells us here in Chedek Beis, in Perik Beis, do not become reasonable. Okay? The Ramam the Mar Nebuchim addresses this in very interesting, and he talks about the fact that he's comparing a human being to the world. This is the Chedek Aleph, Perik Beis, where he talks about Barichos, that a man is like a microcosm, like a small world, and he draws parallels between the human being and the world. And one of the parallels he draws is that just like the same faculties of human being that make him exist are also the faculties that make him ill and cease to exist. So to the same thing in the world. For example, everyone as part of his neutral faculty has this called moishich. That means he takes the food in. Machzik, the food gets absorbed and then he digests it and then he excretes. Okay. Had it been possible 
that these koiches should be like the intellectual koiches and only do the right thing, then a person wouldn't get sick. Okay, imagine that. Imagine if your digestive faculty and nutritional faculty would only do what is right. So you wouldn't get sick. Um, you eat ice cream and your body won't digest it. I don't know, whatever, because it's fat. But that's impossible. Why? Because these faculties do natural things without thought, without consideration. And they do not understand what they're doing at all. Your nutritive faculty does not understand what it's doing at all. And therefore, it causes all sorts of terrible illnesses. Even though at the same time, they are the very reason why you, you, why you, why you survive. Okay, so here we have a very interesting thing. That you're designed to digest, you're designed to be, um, to, uh, be sustained. But those same very forces that digest food and sustain you can also kill you because they're going to digest food that's unhealthy. Biradavar, let's say you would only have taken the thing that's healthy, and in the amount that's healthy, you would, you would be able to get sick. But since it's not the case, but rather anything that you put into your mouth gets absorbed, and shown, even if it's not the right amount, so really you get to, you get the wrong kind of materials, and your um, your uh, what's it called your your arteries get clogged, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay, and you can get uh, negoim and cancerous things, and so on and so forth. And the same thing Ram says true about the world, that the world is operates, functions based on the fact that there's certain forces that make everything happen, but they also make terrible things happen. Okay, like earthquakes, etc. Whatever. So so what's interesting is like the Ram is like saying, like, oh, imagine if the nutritive faculty would only would be reasonable. And you see, I want to just suggest that it's like even interesting that the Ram talks about that, because I think for the Rambam, that's that's not so crazy as it sounds. Because since the human, because since that's the whole subject of Parak Beis over here in Shemunaprakim, is that really the human being, the principle of the human being, is the seichel. And lo and behold, Chiddush Gadol, that the that the chiddush comes error, the appetite faculty can become reasonable. Nonetheless, and remember from Parak Aleph, human being is unified. Nonetheless, the chiddush Azan cannot become seichli. Chiddush Azan is going to do what it wants, no matter how smart you are. And that's like that's something notable because even though the human being is one, he lemaisa there is this dichotomy that the is exploring in parent base. Um, and to end to end with this point, that um, yeah, we'll end with this point that we spoke about in last Sunday about the last year that Moshe um, Rabbeinu. Okay, this is a very interesting thing which I didn't explore so much in the year, but basically Moshe Rabbeinu became completely intellectual. Moshe Rabbeinu became, was defined absolutely by his intellect, and therefore he was an angel, the Rambam says, in, in um, Parakei, Mishnah Gimel, that he was a malach. Why was he a malach? Because he was defined by his intellect. It wasn't mean he was defined by his intellect. We spoke about this. It means that the, faculty, the bodily faculties, his bodily faculties, did not drive anything, did not make anything happen. So how did he eat then? How did he eat? He ate in a very interesting way. He ate because his intellect said that he should eat. So it means I eat and you eat because we desire to eat and we have the ability to eat and we have a faculty of, of all these faculties that Ram described. The Moshech, Machzik, Ma'akal. So we use all the faculties of our soul and we eat. Moshe Rabbeinu's bodily faculties were, were ceased to, to operate. 
And yet he ate. Yet he ate because reason said he should eat. Now, this is a fascinating thing. This is only realized after this year, which is that it's not so simple that a person could eat without using all these faculties. In other words, how does reason make a person eat? Normally, the way a person eats is through the mediation of all this, of, the, of what we know to be the human soul. The Rambams calls Moshe Rabbeinu a malach, and nonetheless, Moshe Rabbeinu was able to eat. It's a major chiddush, and it's a chiddush called, and this I'm going to say briefly because it's not a place for it, this, the Ramam, I mentioned in the Shia, the philosophers hold that a person who's perfect is not a malach. The Ramam holds a perfect person is a malach. The one of the big machlekes around with the philosophers is the Raman believes that hashkocha is possible and the philosophers say not. And this business of someone who's a perfect malach, eating by virtue of the fact that he's a malach is identical with hashkocha. Because what it means is that the person is eating not because his body, body has the power to eat, but because the malach, which is his seichel, is making his body eat. So therefore, I just want to just bring it back to this chedek alaf perakayim beis. Um, Moshe Rabbeinu, when he ate, I would suggest he didn't have this problem of eating unhealthy food. Because he was eating be only because of reason. His, his, his bodily faculties, I think including the zon, including everything, were not operating. And yet, his seichel controlled his body, which is what we call hashkacha. That is, a davar sechli could control a davar gashmi. That's called hashkacha. That's a path. We could speak about that another time, because I'm sure that's Sounds strange, but that's what Ashkach is. So therefore, he was only doing everything in line with the Seichel. So he was the one person, the Ramam saying, oh, look, only imagine if only people would would only would only be able to digest what's healthy. But they can't. Why? Because digestion beats its own path and, and doesn't necessarily act in line with the intellect. That's true for everyone. But except if you have a person who becomes purely intellect, and then that intellect is what makes his body function. Then I think I maintain that intellect would permeate even the kaihazan, and he wouldn't um, he wouldn't digest what's unhealthy. Okay, that's just a, a hara. Whether that means also that is that have something to do with the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu never got old? Perhaps the Ramam understands it that way. Because here we have normally the human being is unable to differentiate. You eat certain food, and the body does what it does. As Ram describes in Ramukham, oh, if only the body would be sickly. But Moshe Rabbeinu's body, who was only responding to his seichel because it, it didn't function as a body, perhaps for that reason he was, he didn't have all these mamachlis that our mom describes. All right, any questions before I shut off the, stop stop recording, and then we can ask the real questions that come out then. But any questions on record? Take that as a no. We'll stop the recording.